Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I'm about to launch a brand new course called Kabbalah of Soulmates. I'll be doing it together with Netflix famous Aliza Ben Shalom. We're going to be doing six lessons. What is love? Is love enough? Does true love exist? Talking about Kabbalah, talking about soulmates, my two favorite topics. It's going to be five self-guided lessons, a beautiful workbook, and then three Zoom discussions so that together we can really uh, work through a lot of the ideas that we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm excited because it's starting very soon, and I would love for you to sign up. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I'll see you there. Hi, everyone. I'm doing something a little different. I've never done this before. I'm in the middle of preparing my Yom Kippur sermons, and instead of just practicing them just to myself, I'm going to practice them with you. And so um, this is my next uh, sermon for Yom Kippur. Uh, Let's see how it goes. I'd love to hear your feedback. Today is Yom Kippur. Well, it's not today. It'll be today when I actually say it. So let's begin with a lighthearted hypothetical about apologies. Have you heard the one about the man in the forest? If a man is in the forest alone and says something without his wife around, is he still wrong? Right? You know this one. And the answer is a resounding yes, and he should apologize. Here's another one. So a man is driving to a mountain resort and a policeman pulls him over and he says, did you know that you're driving without taillights? The driver's immediate reaction was to exit the car. He was so badly shaken that the officer took pity on him and said, well, now, wait a minute, calm down. It's not that serious a violation. The guy says, it may not mean so much to you. But to me, it means a lot. I've lost my trailer, my wife, and my four kids. Today, I want to talk about cherishing the bonds we have with family, the bonds we have with friends, and the bonds we have with God. Ensuring that they don't silently unhitch and slip away. I want to start with one of the most audacious stories in the Talmud. One which I think embodies the profound spirit of Yom Kippur. During the first century, the temple in Jerusalem stood tall, radiating uh, magnificence, inspiration. Once a year, the Yom Kippur service a moment of profound significance and an awesome spectacle. It would unfold. With all the Jews gathered in the temple, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, seeking forgiveness and blessings for the collective Jewish people. Rabbi Yishmael, the high priest, tells us, on one, as he says, unforgettable Yom Kippur, as I stepped into the Holy of Holies, Darkness was all around. Clasped in my hands was a golden fire pan, brimming with sacred incense. Its aroma overtook the atmosphere. 
the smoke spiraling heavenwards. But then, in the midst of the ritual, I felt a sudden awareness, a feeling of being watched. My heart raced, anxiety surged. The space was meant for solitude. Who could be here? Had I lost my way? The hopes, the dreams, the prayers of a nation rested with me. And as I looked amidst the dance of smoke, I saw the presence of God seated on his throne. Unexpectedly, God gazed at me and said, Yishmo, my son, Barcheni, give me your blessing. Now, before I continue the story, I want you to pause and consider that. How do you bless the one who has everything? How do you bless the source of all blessing? If you were in Rabbi Yishmael's shoes and God asked you for a blessing, what words would you offer? What could you say to the creator of the universe? Just think about it. Looking up at God, Rabbi Yishmael says the following. God, I wish. That your love always conquers any momentary anger. And when you deal with your children, let it be through kindness and compassion, not cold, hard justice. I'll say it again without the Hebrew. God, I wish that your love always conquers any momentary anger. And when you deal with your children, let it be through kindness and compassion, not cold, hard justice. As Rabbi Yishmael concluded his heartfelt blessing, a profound silence enveloped the space. Then, in that stillness, God offered a knowing nod as if to say, Amen, well done. Somehow he found the right words. With this divine seal of approval, firmly in hands, Rabbi Yishmael emerges from the Holy of Holies, radiating joy. He reassured the expectant community that in the year to come, blessings would pour forth, would pour forth and blessings would overflow. There was relief and rejoicing. I think, let me both be so bold to say this, I think there's a reason why such a daring story made its way into the Talmud. There's a profound message. It was essential then, and it remains essential today. The foundation of any flourishing relationship, whether with God or with others, rests on Rabbi Yishmael's insight. Always choose compassion over the need to be right. Always. I know how hard it is. 
I know what some of you go through. Always choose compassion over need to be right. Even when you have every reason to judge, choose love over condemnation. Perhaps your spouse, your fiancé, your ex-fiancé, maybe they have faults. Maybe they drive you nuts. Instead of firing back with frustration, respond with love. Rather than judge, you can forgive. You can understand. You can empathize. I think that's the response with which Rabbi Yishmael blessed God. Now let me explain it for today. Because that's beautiful and very special and romantic in every way. But what about you and I? What about our world? I want to highlight the, the beautiful relevance of Rabbi Yishmael's blessing for us today. Our society has fallen prey to a massive misunderstanding about marriage. And it's sabotaging people's happiness. Young people walk around with the belief that love is all you need. But I want to tell you, love is just like the engine of a jet plane. It's powerful. It's exhilarating. It's essential. But if you try to fly by strapping yourself to a jet engine, you're going to find yourself in a whole world of pain. It's a one-way ticket to catastrophe. We all make mistakes. We especially make mistakes with the people we love. We're bound to annoy each other. And that's why without forgiveness, no relationship can truly thrive. If love is that jet engine propelling you forward, then I would say forgiveness is the wings and the GPS. It's what helps us navigate through the stormy skies. It ensures that not only does the journey continue, but that it thrives, that it soars to new heights. I think there's an unacknowledged fact. Marriage isn't designed to make you happy. In fact, I'll say further. Marriage is in many ways designed to make you miserable. See, marriage takes two individuals, each a bundle of needs, a, a bundle of desires, eccentricities, shtick, uh, emotional baggage, and then puts them together in the most intimate space, the most intimate space imaginable. And you think that's a recipe for everlasting peace? It's more like tossing a habanero pepper and chocolate milk into a blender and pressing liquefy and see what happens. Conflict is not just probable, it's inevitable. The union of souls is often a, a messy business. So tonight, I ask you, what's the secret ingredient? The secret ingredient is forgiveness. Forgiveness. The essence of love isn't bouquets of beautiful flowers, though I know there's people who love that. It's the act of forgiving, of accepting each other's human flaws, 
of accepting human quirks and choosing to love anyway. Flowers fade, but forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness is the ink that rewrite that rewrites love stories. It allows for wounds to heal. It allows for love to rebloom. And that's why when Rabbi Yishmael had the opportunity to bless God, he specifically chose loving forgiveness. There's countless other virtues. Why did he single these out? Because he knew they aren't extras. They're not luxuries. They're not accessories. They are the bedrock, the foundation of any lasting relationship. A happy and romantic marriage is not the coming together of two perfect souls. It's the coming together of two imperfect people who look into each other's eyes and say, Rabbi Yishmael was onto something big with his blessing of loving forgiveness. Let's make that the cornerstone of our love. That commitment is not just the engine powering their journey, but it's also the wings that lift them and the GPS that's guiding them towards eternal happiness. I'm not done. I want to take a step deeper. Let's take this a step further. The Midrash tells us that even before the world was created, even before the galaxies and, and the stars were put into place, even before time began, God had already created something beautiful. It's called Teshuvah. What's Teshuva? It's the opportunity for repentance, the opportunity for forgiveness, the opportunity for renewal. Forgiveness was God's first gift to us. It's an everlasting promise of the opportunity to begin anew. So what's the message behind this peculiar midrash? What does it mean that before the cosmos took form, God had already crafted forgiveness? That it's older than the world? The best way I can explain it is with Jennifer's glove box. Let me explain. One day, Jennifer found herself driving through an intersection when, turning a bit too sharply, she collided with another car. After the shock of the collision subsided, Jennifer was overwhelmed by sadness. She was driving her brand new Tesla, a wedding gift from her husband, David. She damaged a beautiful car. She damaged their symbol of shared joy and their symbol of new beginnings. Jennifer pulls over to the side of the road and she checks on the other driver and they exchange insurance information. Still overwhelmed with worry about David's reaction. As she rifled through the glove box for her insurance and her registration, she discovered an additional piece of paper, a note from David. And the note read, sweetheart, if you ever find yourself in an accident, remember, it's you that I love, not the car. You see, David, without even realizing, echoed God's compassion 
he exemplified the kind of love that we all dream of. Before Jennifer even made a mistake, he extended to her love and understanding. His deeds remind us that any lasting relationship, be it with God or our loved ones, is about forgiving, seeing the good, and choosing love every single time. The healing begins before the break. That's the meaning of the Midrash. It tells us that God didn't just tack on forgiveness as some last-minute feature, as a plan B if things go wrong. He made it the core principle. He made it the foundation of our relationship with him. Before we were born, before we even made mistakes, before we had the possibility of making mistakes, his message of forgiveness was already lovingly placed in our glove box. We all stumble. We all fall occasionally. To get it wrong is to be human. But what if we lived knowing that our partners, that our children, that even our creator had our backs? If forgiveness was older than our capacity to make a mistake. And instead of dreading mistakes, imagine a world where we know even before we falter, that our mistakes will be met with love and understanding. What a powerful way to live. This, this is the central message of Yom Kippur. The key idea at the heart of Yom Kippur, it's on every page of our prayer book of our Mahsur. It's that God desires a loving relationship with us. It's our shared aspiration. God never gives up on us. He never ceases to believe in our potential, no matter what wrongs we may have committed in the past. With God's, as we say in Hebrew, rachum v'chanun, compassion and forgiveness. With God's compassion and forgiveness, we can mend our deepest flaws. We can outgrow our mistakes and transform our lives. This profound relationship with God serves as a model for the human relationships we form, especially, especially those we hold dear. It's the blueprint. When we approach our family and friends with hearts that radiate love, that radiate empathy, that radiate understanding, we unleash a force that transforms lives. There was a young boy named Boaz. He's not your average fifth grader. He's struggling in school. He wouldn't participate. He's moody. He's difficult. Now, Miss Rosen, his teacher, claimed to love all her students. But she would admit that she didn't care much for Boaz. She was baffled by why he was so unmotivated, unwilling to learn. During the holiday season, Students brought Miss Rosen presents. They were wrapped in fancy holiday paper, but Boaz's present was wrapped in an old grocery bag. When she opened it up, it out fell a simple bracelet. It was not in its prime. Half of its rhinestones were gone. There was also a bottle of perfume that appeared 
to have known better days. Some kids chuckled, but Miss Rosen silenced them and acted pleased, dabbling on some of the perfume and fastening the bracelet around her wrist. After class, Boaz eagerly approached his teacher. He said, Miss Rosen, that bracelet looks exactly how it did on my mom. And the perfume, it smells just like she did. You're bringing her memory right back. After Boaz left, Miss Rosen rushed to investigate Boaz's family history. Examining her file, the file of this boy, she read first grade. Boaz shows promise, but has a very poor home situation. Second grade, Boaz is not performing his best, but mother is seriously ill. Third grade, Boaz is good boy, but distracted. Mother died this year. Fourth grade, Boaz is a slow learner. Father shows no sign of interest in him. Stunned, Miss Rosen wipes away the tears and says, God, please forgive me. The next morning, the students discovered a new teacher. Miss Rosen had become a new person. She made love the foundation of her teaching, exchanging her critical tendency for a commitment to care and compassion. Having come to understand why Boaz was so distracted, why he was so unmotivated, she made the boy her personal project. She lavished him with encouragement. She patiently tutored him on the class material. For the first time in his life, this child was truly seen. Miss Rosen's empathy, her generosity changed the course of Boaz's life. Seven years later, the teacher received a letter from him. Dear Miss Rosen, thank you for all you did for me in grade school. I'm about to graduate from high school, second in my class. Four years later, another letter. Miss Rosen, thanks again for all of your encouragement years ago. I'm about to graduate from college, first in my class. Several years later came the final letter. Miss Rosen, thank you. I am now Dr. Boaz. I just graduated from medical school. I'm also about to be married, and I want to invite you to the wedding. I'd like you to walk me down as my mother would, if she would still be alive. I've heard that story before so many times. When we truly connect with people, when we embrace them with love instead of just a passing judgment, we ignite a transformative power, the power to heal, the power to uplift, and the power to transform. It's a shift in perspective that can unleash a tidal wave of good. This is the profound, profound impact of Rabbi Yishmael's blessing. I don't think this story or any of these stories belong in the distant past. It's dynamic, reverberating every young Kippur 
just as vibrantly as when Rabbi Yishmael first stepped in the Holy of Holies those years ago. Each of us on this day steps into the Holy of Holies of time. And if we're still, if we're listening, we'll hear a whispered amen from the heavens, a nod from God saying, my child, you are forgiven. Just as Rabbi Yishmael emerged, not only cleansed, but spiritually invigorated, my blessing to each and every one of us is may we emerge, not only cleansed, but spiritually invigorated. May we emerge from this pivotal day radiant and supercharged, ready to face the new year, beaming with joy and complete renewal. Amen.